I got a new voice for podcasts. What it's was, like, what was that voice? This is my new voice for podcasts. No, what was it? Hello, hello, hello. It's always uh, like I'm always curious if anybody can ever like identify that reference. The hello, hello. I get mine from the Seinfeld. Where do you get yours from? Miss Doubtfire. Oh yeah, Miss Doubtfire. And for she sure. pops up with hello. The face. Yeah, that one's face a good full one. of cake. Hello. All right. That's my shit too, but no, mine is the Seinfeld belly button joke. Did you know that one? No. He's dating this girl who she falls asleep before him all the time. And for some reason, he started doing this thing where he pretends her belly button talks with this. Ha, ha, ha. So it's always like, hello, hello. And then he gets his friends into it. So it's this inside joke. And then when he finally tells her what it is, she gets very offended that his friends are making fun of her. And he's like, no, no, it's like a good thing. And then she, he has to choose between the voice and her. And he chooses the voice. And this is why I've never seen an episode Seinfeld's of Seinfeld. great. Let's go. Hard disagree. So, speaking of, hello! Hello! <laughs> la, la, la. Welcome, everybody. My name is Shibby. My name is Roos. And this is After Two Tequila Shots, the show where we take two tequila shots and then talk about current events. Talk uh, about some shit. Talk about some shit. Let's go. It is uncensored. Unfiltered. Unpredictable. But always distilled. distilled. Let's go, people. So welcome, everybody. First off, shout out to all the listeners who got at us in the DMs. We got a lot to cover today. Yeah, we have audiences. We have fan bases. We got people. People like us. Mm-hmm. Shout out to y'all. For some reason, I, I've yet to understand it, but uh, we're here for it. And yeah. I'm here for you. Um, My name is Rooster. I am a uh, poet, spoken word person from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, we are recording, right? We are recording. Okay, yeah. excellent. Uh, <laughs> uh, let me see what's going on right now. LP, who you and I like, uh, the musician. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What new, about new single out? Oh, I'm, I was kind of jamming it on the way here. It's very summery. Okay. Not bad. We, we I mean, like a summery yeah. anthem. Uh, uh, who just? Oh, also Kylie Minogue. Oh. Have you heard the new single? No. But um, but um, that does nothing. But I'm, I'm here for it. I like melody. But um. But um, that's that's what it's meant. It's called but um, uh, and apparently it's already like surpassed like share. I don't know, like it's it's doing record numbers and uh, it's a it's a catchy little catchy little thing. I'm with um, it. I'm here it's for summer, it. man. It is definitely summer. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody. My name is Shibi. I'm a poet, performer, publisher, producer and community organizer. And I'm going to go on record saying Ben Wade is a bisexual. Oh, you saw the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> underrated favorites. Uh, Gemini's production. If y'all haven't caught it, uh, y'all definitely got to go uh, check that pod. Yes, yes. Ben Wade is a bisexual. Ben Wade is a bisexual. And it was Pinto that called it out at the very end when he, spoiler alert. Uh, when I don't he, think you can spoil 310 to Yuma yeah. at this point. <laughs> when he shoots Charlie and he's looking at him in the eyes and then Pinto just yelled, are those the green eyes he was talking about? Mm-hmm. It was like, oh, shit. Oh, yeah. They've shared nights under the moonlight sky. Ben Wade is a bisexual. Mm. Cowboys get lonely. <laughs> and that's okay. Uh, just shout out to 310 to Yuma for being, Did you like it? For being the broke back mountain for straight people. Yeah. Like, undercover. It was a gay love story the whole time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so yeah. for it. Loved it. Okay, good. Loved it. Yeah. Um, underrated favorite. Definitely an underrated favorite. Well, according to your rubric. Would have been a good but slept on. Yeah. It got lost in the sauce, mm-hmm. but uh, highly recommend it. Also, highly recommend underrated favorite. Um, 
uh, as another podcast. If you are into movies, you like movies, you maybe want to know more about movies that you might have missed, uh, go check out Underrated Favorites. Uh, speaking of other things that are highly recommended... Talk about Lalo. Let's talk about this tequila. Never had it before. Never heard of it before. I'm going to say the bottle looks very... The bottle gave me pause. Oh. Because okay. the bottle, unlike... See, we have been going the opposite route, which is very provincial, uh-huh. very sort of like extra uh-huh. Mexicano looking... In your face kind yeah. of bottle. It's like, you're going to drink this cultura. Yes. Lalo, however, looks like this came out of Kylie Jenner's like closet. <laughs> it's very clean. See, very white. And this is why, like, I was originally drawn to it is because, like, it is. It is clean. It is minimalist in its aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It's a clear bottle with a white label and some text on it. Yeah. You know. And what I think is, like, a minimalist design for an Iglesia on that logo. I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know what Lalo is. I don't know if that's a person, if that's a place. Oh, uh, here, here we go. Shout out to Lalo, the bartender at Avant Garden. Yeah, shout out to them. Lalo continues the legacy as a third generation spirit, combining a grandfather's love for the land with a father's passion for premium. Mm -hmm. Our tequila is a distillation of an entire country, culture, and people. Each bottle captures the complex essence of Mm -hmm. our agave plants to naturally age in the mineral rich soil of the Jalisco Islands. Inhale, sip, exhale. It's our ritual for drinking. And that, mantra that is living. how you should be drinking tequila. Inhale, sip, exhale. Let's talk about it. Uh, so it was a birthday present. Mm. Uh, shout out to Amy Peña. Shout out. Uh, for the birthday present. Um, you can find Amy on Spotify, Disco Amy, and on uh, YouTube also, I believe, Disco. Amy is one of those people, mm-hmm. curator of playlists. Oh, well, yeah. You got a part, you got a theme, she will make a playlist for you and it's going to be amazing. They are the unsung heroes of life. Yes, yes. Uh, we were both Mac trainers and anytime we had like a training coming up and it was like, what's the, uh, what's the, what's the theme for the next training? It's uh, all around our Love Me lipstick. Okay, I'm, I'm making the playlist and it was mm-hmm. all like, mm-hmm. Love Me, Love mm-hmm. Song, anywho. Uh, got me this as a present. Um. It's a Blanco tequila. We all know that I uh, usually steer in the lane of reposados. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is a nice divergence from what we've been drinking on the pod for a while. Um, I'm I'm going to co-sign. I'm going to double tap. I'm going to two thumbs up. It is smooth. Mm-hmm. It's got uh, that very distinct agave flavor to it. There's definitely a punch to it, but it's the kind of punch you kind of want from tequila, mm-hmm. not the punch you want to avoid. So the burn is, is a good kind of burn. I'm... Um, I, I like it. I think it's good. I don't know what, what it What's costs. Price point? That's a good question. Yeah. Uh, Lalo Tequila. Uh, about $45. Oh, no. That's totally great. Yeah. Yeah. $45. bucks. i am all in on this. I agree with you. It has a punch, but unlike Reposados... Uh, or even añejos, it has it's not there's zero smoke. It's very sweet. Yes, from the onset, it's almost too sweet. You're like ooh, but then it immediately hits you with a burn, uh-huh. and you're like wow. And then it kind of gets very floral in the mouth. The That's, yeah, I would I would call this a good prestige tequila. You know, I would say if you want to impress people with your tequila know how, yeah, uh, un baro alalo. Yes, not casa amigos. No, <laughs> no, 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 definitely over casa. Uh-huh. So we're excited for that for this tequila. Um, I'm here for it, and we're also excited for a bunch of stuff that's happening in the news. So this much week. to talk about. So uh, let's get into our major news event recap of the week. Drop in, y'all. 
number one in the major news event recap of the week. And we're talking about it here. Why? Because we both know what we're talking about. Yeah. Hit it. Uh, Victor Wimbanyama officially drafted number one draft pick to the San Antonio Spurs. We're very excited about that. That's it. This is the start of a new dynasty. The people. race for Sace. Okay. <laughs> if you if a basketball fan local ever comes up to you, Jimmy, and is like, are you excited for this season? You just say, yeah, race for Sace. Race for Sace. Yeah. That's our, Sace. We, want, we want our, we want that Sace championship. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's but all good. We're racing for the Sace. That's right. And we're going to get it with our seven foot five. How yeah, tall is this tall motherfucker? Fuck. Se- I thought I saw something like seven foot five. Yeah. Or, he, he dwarfs the competition, but at the same time, plays. Like a six foot one guy. It's mm-hmm. insane. He's a unicorn. Officially part of the San Antonio Spurs now. This city literally is this. This is like the yeah. second coming of baby Jesus it for is. San Antonio. We are, it, like, <laughs> People are losing their shit. The jerseys are coming off the racks. Everyone's wearing the Spurs gear again. Yeah. Chibi's got the, the kind of Rasquache Puro Slam shirt. <laughs> It looks like the Spurs logo. Um, and then um, Wemby is also very excited for breakfast tacos. As he should be. Where should he go? You know, uh, okay, so whenever I talk to people about San Antonio, one of the things that I mention is that the city is built so that you honestly never really have to leave your own three-mile radius. You really don't. You, every three miles of this city is created in a way to where you have whatever you need. And so I just – I. I get my breakfast tacos from Lisa's? A, a place down the street. It's just called Taqueria Jalisco. Oh, I love that place. Yeah. It's, I know that one. It's a little nondescript yeah, red building. Little, yeah. Uh, a, a number of years ago, they started digging a trench and built in a drive through Fuck yeah, they Via do. their, like, this used to be where we take the trash out, but mm-hmm. now we have our own drive through <laughs> Like, yeah. it's super mom and pop, homey, we do it ourselves kind of deal. And so, like, they are... Diaz tacos. Yeah, yeah. You know, honestly, you can't go wrong with breakfast tacos in San Antonio. Yeah. Uh, Taqueria Data Point, yeah. uh, that's also down the street. I just, all the medical center places. Throw a rock. Yeah. Yeah, and you're fine. What are, what are your, cause you, you go out to eat more than I do, like, honestly speaking, objectively speaking. I think you, I, you hit the restaurants more than I do. I have two that <laughs> I really would. So, and here, I guess here's also, let me answer your question with a question real quick. <laughs> a good Taqueria place. Is there, I know there's bad. There's mid where you're like, mm, that was serviceable. But then I think, especially here, and I would also say in Laredo, you have like these just like, they're just good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, but what really makes one more or less exceptional? It's it's hard sometimes. It's, it's, it's hard to differentiate. There isn't really a rubric for Mm-mm. it. Uh, for me, the tortillas go a long way. Long way. Like I don't want powdery flour tortillas. Mm-hmm. Um, and then- Salsa. I always, I will judge every taqueria by their barbacoa. Oh, yeah. Like, that is that that is where you will lose me real quick. If your mm-hmm. barbacoa is dry, if it's unseasoned, like, I'm out and I'm never coming back. Yeah. Um, and then uh, two for me is, do you have weenies con huevo? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of places don't, because no. it's a very South Texas mm-hmm. uh, staple. Staple. Weenies yeah. con huevo. Yeah, if you don't have that, your place <laughs> might just be a gringo taco place. If you don't know what weenies con huevo, or you're just not from South Texas, because oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure we have a lot of maybe Californians listening mm. to this that are like, What's let us weenies know, Cali. Let us know. Weenies con huevo is basically just a hot dog chopped up, chopped up and mixed into a scrambled egg yeah. in a taco. Weenies con huevo. Um, so my top places would be. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, 
Eddie's Taco House. Okay. It's kind of on the south side, but they their tortillas are great. <clears throat> uh, they really hold it down. Um, and then my second place that I would say would be uh, probably the the old, what is it called? The old donut shop. Uh, this is a, and it's not far from where you live here. Yeah. So it's off Fredericksburg. And it's, uh, I think it's on the corner of Fredericksburg and Babcockish. Okay. Uh, anyway, it's, they sell donuts, but they also have amazing tacos. And it, and it's funny because for years they had like two drive throughs One was just for donuts <laughs> and one was for tacos and donuts. Uh-huh. Uh, they were recently on that Netflix show, uh, Taco, what is it, Taco Nation? Yeah, Something like I that. think that's correct. Yeah, yeah they were on there. <clears throat> um, again, great tortillas, great salsa. Uh, and then lastly, just my local joint. Like I always go to Rosita's on the west side, right up the street. Yeah. Can't go wrong. Uh, I ate there today. Similarly, there's Sarita's here. Yeah. On, uh, Fredericks. Oh, Sarita's always hits the spot. It's so good. My favorite thing when talking about tacos, just for the people who think we overdo it. It's like, <laughs> like, and when I say we, I mean like as San Antonio and Texas <laughs> and South Texas specifically. Uh, I'll never forget. There was a time in California where it was me, uh, the few previous Houston Poet Laureate, Outspoken Bean, and pre- and current Houston Poet Laureate, Deep, or past, I don't yeah, remember. Former. Current former. is Eris Keon. Oh, that's right. Yeah, shout out to Eris. Um, and we were in California, and we were looking for, for tacos, and, and Bean was like, uh, man, I just miss San Antonio because it was just everywhere. And Deep kind of chimes in. He's like, well, Houston's got a lot of taco places. Like, they got good tacos. And Bean had to really kind of stress, look, no, you don't <laughs> understand like literally any corner you go to, you can throw a rock. You're going to hit a place that is probably better than 95% of the nation. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. It's, it's the abundance. And also again, like for people that think that we do the most, I would, I, I love top chef. I'm watching top chef currently. And they, there was a line in there about how like the best food is just good ingredients mm-hmm. paired. Well, period you know uh it does we it's not overly done or anything like that it's literally like weenies con huevo it's mm-hmm. literally hot dogs and eggs mm-hmm. but on a good uh flour tortilla with a nice salsa mm. done you give it to me red salsa or green salsa um either i think i usually go more for red same um However, uh, Taco Palenque, mm-hmm. which, okay, Victor, Wimbanyama. Yeah, go to, go Taco, to Taco Palenque. Palenque. Yeah. Um, they have this, like, green avocado salsa. Mm-hmm. Oh, they do, yeah. That's that good. is so good. It's just creamy. It's delicious. It's got a little hint of kick, but not really. Yeah. And then you, like, put the roasted brown salsa on top of that. <sighs> the roasted brown is my jam. Okay. Um, thanks for joining us, y'all. That's the end of this podcast. We're going to go get tacos. Bye. That's right. No. Um... That's the end of that segment, I yeah. think. No, yeah, yeah. The other ending that we saw was the, <laughs> <laughs> the, no. the ending of a week-long news cycle. It was, it was, yeah. It was a lot. R.I.P. Submariners. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Titan Submarine, uh, created by a billionaire to send other billionaires to go look at wreckage of the Titanic. We actually, it had just popped up yeah, uh, during we, the last We mentioned pod. it. We briefly mentioned it because it just happened. I don't necessarily want to give this any more airtime that it's already gotten. Mm. Okay, then let's go to the question. What, what's the question? So this came, because again, shout out to all the listeners. We had a lot of people in the DMs. Uh-huh. So from the homie Chris, uh, he posed that question about meme, meme culture. culture during tragic events. 
And then what did you say? He was yeah, like, uh, are we in a state of too soon? Like yeah. as it's happening, all these memes are coming out. Um, no, because this is a memeable event. Mm. Billionaires spend a quarter of a million dollars on a joyride to the Titanic and it implodes because of a business that has openly talked about how oh. safety is yeah. not a priority. Sorry, y'all, you paid for your own deaths. You get I memed. And at the same time, the memes that I were seeing was, you know, five billionaires in a submarine, week-long search, 700 immigrants drown, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. So, sorry, billionaires, I don't give a shit. It has, yeah, it, it, this, and I think this is a more interesting part to talk about when it comes to this, as opposed to what actually transpired. Mm-hmm. The, the, the meme culture of it, I won't lie, for the first few days, I was very reticent to, to join in on the ha-has, because, like, am I, I'm never as pro-capitalist. More, as more details came out, you're saying, it, like, it you're waiting of, to... Well, I don't, I, I don't want to relish in anyone's death. No, sure, yeah. sure, and, sure, and, sure. And, and, and it, to me, it's like a karma thing. It's like, uh, like, you know, like, yeah, they're, they're rich and, and, you know, fuck that. But, you know, like, <laughs> but, and then there was the, the young kid who it was a Father's Day thing. He was out there with his dad and uh-huh. I was like, man, that's gotta suck. But like, you know, the, the internet's going to have his jokes. Yeah. And so, like, I, I'm not saying my attitude changed over about it. Rest in peace to the people who passed. I'm not really and anyone uh, in unfortunate circumstances who sure. passed. But, but you know, the Internet's going to get its jokes off. I just think it it what it ended up doing was just highlighting the systemic xenophobia that exists in, mm. in culture and in media. You know, like in that, like, we spend all this Money and resources and media attention on a billion dollar corporation that. Well, we do care about billionaires th- more than that escapes anyone. regulation. Yeah. Like the whole point that they're doing this was to mm-hmm. not have to go through government regulations. But then when something goes wrong, it's on the government to come and help bail them out. It's the perfect metaphor for Ver- all of it versus 500 plus immigrants mm-hmm. that just died and yeah. it was like or fleeing war-torn nations yeah. disrupted uh, by other nations quick two-minute coverage on npr and then let's move on to yeah billionaires you yeah. know uh what did come out of this though was what i did see was that uh celine dion's my heart will go on made it to the Trending number 12 <laughs> on the billboard's top 100 and we as a human race are better are for assholes it. <laughs> i think we're better for it that song needs need that song we're all going to hell <laughs> there are certain songs and maybe that's a playlist your friend can come up with the iconic songs that need to and deserve to come back uh, periodically. I think My Heart Goes On is one. Uh-huh. I think Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Uh, I, I don't think that one ever goes anywhere. That's what, yeah, I mean, it's like, not out now. But know. let an asteroid potentially hit us. There you not, go. Yeah. Don't Want to Miss a Thing is coming back so hard. If the, if the asteroid is aimed at us, and let's say we don't know if it's big or if it's small, how quick do you think the memes are coming? Like the haha memes? Oh, immediately. Okay. They're absolutely coming immediately. It's, 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 it's an, the internet. It's, it's Don't Look Up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's that the lesson. And I think, and maybe this is a, a good lesson to walk away from, from the people who are trying. I think there's this thing about people who are trying to be above the internet. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And sometimes I'm guilty of it myself uh-huh. because like there's this, this time where like I look at, and, and you can even go deep with it when you're talking about like right wing extremist, Ben Shapiro ass, you know, to hot takes on blah, whatever Jordan Peterson takes, yada, 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 uh-huh. where it's like, you feel like you have to engage because it sounds like this is actual dialogue and rhetoric and, and conversation is happening, but it's not conversation. It's the internet. And I think maybe, 
maybe it's shouting the, into the void. Yeah, and maybe and, that's and maybe what your it is. shout echoes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is. And trying to be above the internet is sort of the internet is going to always go for our most based uh, worst ideas ever, mm-hmm. and, and occasionally does some good things. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, but let us know what you think about the whole titan thing you yeah. know slide into our dm shoot us an email at after two tequila shots at gmail.com uh, let us know if we need to make a G, an, an ig for this do bond. we need to make an ig I for this i don't know is it gonna go anywhere besides the people that already follow us on our igs mm. uh but let us know what you think what are your thoughts are we on the right or wrong side of history who is or isn't uh uh just just show up show up the way Latinos are showing up in Texas. Rooster, hit us with the next one. So, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, Latinos make up the largest share of the population in Texas. Give me some air horns on that shit. It's us. Yeah, we are here. We're here. We are now 40.2% of the population, while non-Hispanic white Texans make up 39.8%. Yeah, you feel bad. Viva Texas. <laughs> so uh, Latinos are basically taking back the land that was originally theirs? I mean, did we ever... That's the thing with, with these senses. I never really ever felt that white people were the majority in Texas. Mm. They were always the majority in power in Texas. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the, the only places I ever saw a lot of white people in Texas were usually in towns that nobody else wanted to live in. Mm. And that's where they congregate. And Dallas-Fort Worth. And Dallas-Fort Worth, true. <laughs> Which is basically Oklahoma. Ooh, Ooh spicy. No, I'm, I'm so bad. Like, ah, uh, I I hate us for this, but also I, I'm so unapologetic. I did an event in Austin last week, uh, and my favorite game to play whenever I go to Austin is Where Are You From? Because nobody in Austin is from no, Austin. all transplants. Uh, and explaining to people that weren't even from Texas how... Uh, the rest of Texas just doesn't fuck with Dallas and Dallas doesn't really fuck with the rest of Texas. No. And, um, then there was somebody there from like the Arlington area. And I'm like, I, I, and, and he kind of cringed and it was like, it is kind of true, but like, I hate to admit it. And it's like, sorry. Texas is its own world. It's almost like a mini, like (laughs) Chicago, like on the Northern part of Texas, but it's so far North from the rest of us. That's what Dallas wants to be. Yeah. It wants to be the Chicago of the South. And then True. anything north of Dallas is basically southern Oklahoma. Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm sorry, Texas. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. That like, that's been my belief my whole life. Um, and like there's parts of Dallas that I fuck with. <laughs> Shout out to Oak Cliff. Uh, some of the little, you know, Addison. There's some places around there that, that are nice. And, and some parts of Fort Worth, but. On the whole, I don't think I've really ever been to Dallas and had, like, the best time mm-hmm. unless it's with cool people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and But that's the funny thing about Dallas that I think people from Dallas would also, like, agree with, that, like, the number of cool people is kind of in short supply. <laughs> so you really got to know cool people You got to work to find cool people. Yeah. But you don't got to work to find uh, Latinos. Latinos in Texas, apparently. Hell no. Which was always, uh, to your point, too, like, it was always so strange to me because I grew up in Laredo, which is 98 percent Mexican mm-hmm. um, and two percent everything else. And so it wasn't until like I went to Austin that I was like, yeah. Hello. <laughs> Mi gente. Yeah. ¿Dónde están? Yeah. Do you know that it, like I really realized like, oh, wait, the fuck? I'm a minority. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of feel the same way in San Antonio a little yeah. bit. Like it's very There's Hispanic. There's Hispanic friend, yeah. Is it Hispanic forward? Mm-hmm. But then, yes, definitely you go to like almost heights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, oh, here's where the white people in San Antonio yeah. live. <clears throat> yeah. But um, 
I think I think this is an interesting statistic in that, you know, like looking at the history of Texas, like was Mexico was essentially Latino. And to see that kind of come up, we're going to dive into it a little bit later in one of our other segments in terms of the term Latino, Latinx, Latine, Mm -hmm. what that encompasses and how that's portrayed. But I am a little shocked by these numbers in that seeing that Texas's population is basically 80% Latino and white and 20% everything else. Like I thought there was a much larger like black and Asian population in Texas than that slim number. But, um, well, but it's like, it's interesting because it's like we were recently in Seattle Mm -hmm. and when we were at AWP, it was interesting to me in, in a great way, how much like Asian American and Pacific Islander representation was there. Um, through a lot of the conference that we went to, there was so many panels and things like that. And that's something that we don't really have at, at a lot of our shit mm-hmm. because it's just a sm- so much smaller demographic. We do have Asian American and Pacific Islander like events. Mm-hmm. Uh, we even do things like Diwali celebrations and stuff like that. But they're also very, very small compared mm-hmm. to other parts of the country. But anytime we do Latino shit, it's larger than anywhere else in the country 90 percent well of the because time. we used to be mexico yeah you I know mean, like, like it's it's built in it's 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 in the soil yeah. let's just put it that no, way yeah you know? totally and 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 i think it, it's texas is at this weird interesting precipice in my opinion where unlike even a california that similarly used to be a part of mexico it's become so whitewashed and culturally like mixed in a great way in 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 good ways and bad Mm -hmm. um that here is one of like we are truly i would say the only bi-ethnic bi-cultural state Mm -hmm. uh out of the entire united states Mm -hmm. like without with maybe the exception of like puerto rico (laughs) but like (laughs) you know but like um, but they're not a state right unfortunately or fortunately depending on where you land on that argument Uh, yeah that that's uh we are not here to debate that topic because we are not puerto ricans and don't have a voice in this conversation at all but yeah like even cities like New York City that have so much diversity, it's this thing where you don't necessarily ha- like the, across the United States. It's usually white people and black people who take up the majority of mm-hmm. whatever the population demographics are here. Mm-hmm. It's never really been that way. It's this is Mexico. Yes, this, this is very much Mexico. You know what else is predominantly black and Latinx? What? Drake. Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, so he Drake is. is apparently releasing poetry. So according to Billboard magazine, Drake announced his first poetry book. Uh, It is entitled Titles Ruin Everything. A Stream of Consciousness by (laughs) Aubrey. I hate that people like this title. I I don't think I like it. Uh, It kind of reminds me. You agree with this sentiment. I it kind of reminds me, do you remember System of a Down released like a B-Sides record, album. Steal This Album? It's yeah. giving me that. The, See, but that vibes. was cool and smart because it was like, oh, these are the B-Sides. And, and it was I'm also like, the Napster they era. they were amazing. They were. That it was, was also the Napster oof. era. And so like the idea of like stealing music was like really yeah, they, popular. Yeah, they steered into it. Yeah. Um, um, titles Ruin Everything, a book of lyrics, poems, and one-liners uh, written alongside Drake's friend and songwriting collaborator, Samir. The collection will be available for purchase on Saturday, June 24th, through the Canadian MC's merchandise store. Uh, my favorite part of all this is Drake's quote. Quote, 
I don't know if I have ever wanted people to buy or support something more in my life. Our f- first book is available tomorrow, and he wrote it, TMRW, on at Drake Related and other select retailers. Um, is this really what he wants people to support more than anything he's ever done? More than his albums. More than, you know... Uh, I just mentioned this mixtape. earlier. Poetry is the least lucrative art form there is. Unless someone like Drake does it. And what? I think that's what's interesting about this. How many famous people or like, let's say, let's stick to famous people and then we'll go to others. How many famous people's books of poetry have you like given eyes to or energy to or actually read? So you got Jules, uh, Book of Poetry, A Night Without Armor. That's news to me. Okay. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, Serge Tankian. I think he did two books of poetry. Okay. From, shout out to again, System of a Down. Also Always welcome on the pod. Always welcome on the pod. Uh, you have now Drake. I think, oh, there was someone else who, oh, it just left me. Look up celebrities with books of poetry. Amber Tamblin. James Franco. Matthew oh, McConaughey. Right. James, James Franco, because he even went to college for that. Emma oh, Thompson. You know, you know who also low-key is an awesome poet and is always welcome on the pod to talk poetry? Aragon from Lord of the Rings. Was it Viggo Mortensen? Viggo Mortensen. He's on Deaf Poetry Jam. Wow. You can go find old Viggo Mortensen reading poetry, and it's good. Let's see. Let's see. We're going to go through this right here. Amber Tamlin, the actress. She was also a very predominant writer. Mary Lambert. For a while. Florence Welsh. Florence has a book. This doesn't surprise me at all. Of course, Florence has a book of poetry. Tupac. Yeah. Jill Scott. But Jill Scott was a poet. Billy Corgan has a book of poetry. Okay. Alicia Keys. I'm going to say boo on that. Ashanti, I would buy Ashanti's book of poetry. There's Vigo. Damn right. Coincidence of memory. Wow. Goddamn right it is. Title, titles do ruin Oh, Leonard Nimoy. Spock. <laughs> oh, T-Boss. T-Boss. Jewel. Okay, so Ali Sheedley, Charles Sheen, A Piece of My Mind, Poetry by Charles Sheen. I knew and have bought none of these. <laughs> Cookie. I don't know what you did to yourself. I knew and bought none of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so here is my question slash argument for the panel. When it comes to rappers and musicians releasing books of poetry, is not their lyrics already poetry? Mm. Question mark. I'm going to say no. No. You no. don't consider lyrics poetry. I consider lyrics and songwriting its own very important type of writing, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't, I am remiss to say that it's all the same as poetry. It's like, it's mm-hmm. poetry in the way that we sometimes call just random things art. Mm-hmm. You know, like there is a poetry to it, uh-huh. but I don't believe Bob Dylan wrote his, his lyrics are poetry. Those gotcha. they're, they're, they're intended for melody. There, there are certain mnemonic devices that specifically benefit it being on a song okay. versus where poetry has now sort of evolved to, especially with like free verse and sort of getting away from some of the more mnemonic devices, right or wrong. People can debate that. That's not what I'm doing here. But I, I, I think that most even like Drake, I, I suspect a lot of his poetry is going to suck. I mean, <laughs> I don't I don't I'm not really hopeful for it. I'm not either. But I mean, and I think my question comes from the perspective of as we look at something like the Grammys and the new spoken word poetry category. What starts to differentiate between 
spoken word poetry and just straight up rap and hip hop? You have to. I mean, I'm going to say the answer to that question is in the eye of the producer mm-hmm. because and and I don't like that answer because I think, you know, there is everyone's definition of poetry is different. So some people would look at like Kendrick Lamar's lyrics, who won a Pulitzer Prize yeah. for the writing. Yeah, um, as, you could look at Frank Ocean's lyrics too. You know, like one hundred percent poetic. Like I've we I've been in workshops where we've looked at these as examples of great poetry. Totally, right? Tupac's you know book <laughs> "A Rose That Grew from Concrete." I think Tupac's "A Rose That Grew from Concrete" is actually a great example of a person who actually differentiated between poetry and rap mm-hmm. because if you actually read that you're like no no these are poems and and it's what is it it's there's there's a different approach to it there's there's a different sort of craft element that goes into poetry and writing that that act of it that, that I don't necessarily think that translates mm-hmm. and now you get into like the rupee cower of it where it's like okay so the larger question is does poetry significantly matter as an entertainment form mm. unless you have someone like a Rupi Kaur and others who break through with visual uh, you know drawings and and inner IG you know followers and 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 notoriety that way or if you're a huge famous person like Jewel mm-hmm. who puts out a book of poetry puts out a book of poetry and i think the other interesting part of this is wherein people start to self identify or self market as poet slash spoken word artist right yeah and the two carry very different um very different connotations Right, because Eduardo Coral is an incredible poet. Mm-hmm. Kanye West, not so much. Not, not the most entertaining to watch, listen, to watch, read. Mm. You know, sort of deal. Like, there's a lot of really great poets who are because great writers. You. Yeah, and but not exactly. People aren't necessarily lining up to buy tickets to watch them read because mm-hmm. it's not a very entertaining live event. Which is where I think a lot of Poets that consider themselves poets and also performers are doing this like poets slash spoken word mm-hmm. because the the connotation behind spoken word is that it's a live event. It's entertaining to watch. You're going to go there for an experience versus just reading. But I don't what I dislike about that connotation is that it it, it in some way um, takes away from the fact that they are still writers first. Mm-hmm. Right. And creating arguably Good writing. Obviously, yeah. not all spoken word artists are created equal. Mm-hmm. Um, so where, you know, like, where's I, the rubric? I where's think, the distinction? I think, I, have it. I, think you know? I have it. As you were talking, I think you were saying things that kind of really re- re- resonated with me. I would say here's the rubric. When we say someone's a poet, because you know who else? I It kind of pisses me off when they fall into this category is comedians. <laughs> when comedians start getting this sort of extra gas behind like no but they were also like a poet you know what i mean like richard pryor and dave Chappelle and uh george carlin like they were poets on top of being uh comedians because they spoke truth to power or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be um no what it is 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 they're artisans they're people who understand their craft so well that they can add truth and and speak it to power or put it into whatever medium they choose mm-hmm. but i and i think that's where things get complicated because again like a kendrick lamar or a tupac in terms of his music or many others like you know missy elliott 
I love. I think Missy Elliott's a goddamn poet. I mean, I, I can't stand the rain. Beep beep. Who got the keys to my Jeep? Yes, that <laughs> came from some other one's shit. But damn, that shit spoke to me at the time. Uh, but and I think going back to the idea that poetry is the least lucrative art form, this is where poets like Jill Scott, Saul Williams, Tank from Tank and the Bangas have realized like I have this gift of mm-hmm. writing. And I can actually pursue this writing gift if I tap into other mediums mm-hmm. that actually reach people and, oh, yeah. and produce a career um, and go in that route, right? Versus the route of poets that decide to maybe go in the educational route or the MFA route or whatever. You know, like there, there's, there's a fork in the road here in where you use – or the poets that go on to become like screenwriters or things like that. Like we are writers first. Mm-hmm. And then how we use our writing to create a career is wherein we see the divide um, versus Drake. Well, here's my here, <laughs> but, okay, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw it at you real quick. Here's here's the fastball. Drake goes on tour. He's coming to San Antonio. He wants other poets. Do you open for Drake? One hundred percent. Give me that check. <laughs> Damn. Would you perform and open for Drake for exposure? No. Wow. No. That's interesting. No, because I still need to get paid for my work. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just. It's interesting because let's say Look, let's say he was at the Tobin Center. Is he performing his poetry or is he performing his no, album? No, just performing his poetry. Just perform. Okay. All right. So I don't think and he I'm could po- fill out the AT and T Center on his poetry. On poetry. Yeah. Here's my pushback on this ish. Um, I was just talking about it today because it just happened last week. Performing poetry in front of at non-poetry events or in front of non-poetry audiences Mm -hmm. is always very strange because it can go one of two ways Mm -hmm. for context. Talk about it. I was hired to uh, be a speaker, quote unquote, at a pride event this past week in Houston at a bar called Ripcord which is a leather BDSM bar. They built a stage in their outside area, lights, all, all this huge thing for a drag show. Mm-hmm. And they had speakers during the intermission of said drag show, me being one of them, right? And so in this environment, it can go one of two ways. Either A, the audience has no idea what I'm about to do, and then they are invested all in, super surprised and here for it, or B, the audience has no idea what I'm about to do, and they're going to go to the bathroom, get a drink, talk to their friends. They yeah. don't care no, because they're here for shit. the drag show. Yeah. So th- in this case, it went route B. It really? Was like the intermission for the drag I love those shows too, though. <laughs> it was the intermission for the drag yeah. show. So people were like, oh, great. Let me go to the bar. Let me I refill my drink. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And I could see the, you know, like. Three people looking at you. It's a 10. 10 okay. to 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. in a sea of 100 sure. that were looking. The, yeah. the, I, there were some snaps happening, yeah. some fan claps, right, sort of deal. But the majority of the people completely tuned less. out. And, you know, I'm doing my thing. It, great. At the end of the day, I got paid. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, that exposure didn't get me followers, didn't mm-hmm. get me bookings, didn't get me shit. But I got paid. Sure. So I don't care if the majority of the audience didn't wasn't engaged, right? Because mm-hmm. I was hired to do a job. Mm-hmm. I got paid to do the job. If something better comes out of great. So that's why it's like No, I agree not, with, not for exposure. No, we don't no, do I, things for exposure. Anymore. I agree with you with your your ethics behind it. Totally. I it's interesting. I don't know. I, I it would be a question of okay, Drake, what do you want me to do? Because if it's like if it's at the Tobin Center 
and it's sold out. I mean, maybe. And it's like, hey, we're not. But and it's like you're gonna market me heavy with this as a poet for a poetry. But but yeah. see, that's the that's a poetry event because. And I think that oh, right. And yes, and that's what I'm saying. If it was a poetry event and. It because see here's this other and he side wants to, to recruit it too. local poets at every venue that he goes right. to every city. Yeah, maybe because well, I might open for Drake because Just slide into my DMs, Drake. Right, <laughs> we need it. Yeah, OVO, get at us because we're here for it. And also because I think there is money that goes behind events sometimes that can boost you as an artist mm-hmm. before. They pay you. Yeah. And that's its own other thing. But I, I also agree. Pay your artists. Even yeah. something. Or like have that have these candid conversations with them. Because if you're a promoter or anything like that, sometimes I think promoters love to hide behind the exposure conversation or anything like that without really like you can detail like look this is how much we're spending on marketing and your face is going to be on the like you can have those candid conversations and then that's a different thing Mm. as opposed to just some random promoter who's like oh you're going to get exposure when you do my gig for this thing that i charge cover for and well there's also five minutes the the implied assumption that artists just just do shit for free because we're artists you know and this can go into a new segment who wrote the book of faces because this went down on Facebook, where in a poet out of Virginia was a working artist along with a few others and was not getting paid by the school district for the work that they were doing. Right. And had to fight to get their check, Mm -hmm. which led to a whole discourse on paying poets, paying artists, what the assumption is. Right. And um, again, I will do a show for free. Mm -hmm. Right. For like a local open mic or things like that. Right. Um, Or for very little pay when it's about the community, for the community, especially if I've already been paid to go do a show in said city, right? I have no problem rolling up at a homie's open mic to do a feature to help grow their event. What? Anything. Anything like that, right? But that's community doing for community. Mm -hmm. That isn't entity trying to, um, what's the word? Starts with an E. Exploit. Exploit uh, artists for entities gain, right? So... Um, I think there's that kind of like differentiation that needs to be made. It's a spectrum. That needs to be understood. Um, and talked about like this. Mm-hmm. Totally. Because especially if you're a new artist or someone who's like dabbled in it and maybe not sure how these things shake out. Like sometimes we don't know. Yeah. And it's this, and it's a simple conversation. You know, like I, I remember when I was first taught like the phrase, how, how much do you have earmarked in the budget for your speakers? Mm-hmm. It's it's that simple question. Right. And I think sometimes as artists, especially if we're just starting out, like we feel like maybe we don't deserve to be paid or, you know, like I should do this for free because it's going to get me exposure. Don't say no to anything because every event is a good opportunity. But at that one simple question can sometimes get you a hundred bucks, can get you a thousand dollars, can get you a unfortunately we don't have that line item in the budget. Okay, unfortunately I can't do your event. Mm-hmm. And set so, and that's fine. And it's not always <laughs> gonna be the same. There I've done gigs where it's like, okay, cool, we'll pay you fifteen hundred and it's they're asking for a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, mm, I've had other gigs where doing the same amount of work got me five thousand yeah. dollars. And then there's times I've done gigs that were maybe not as intense, but basically doing the same stuff where it's like, yeah, no, we're just fifty bucks. Yeah, here's fifty bucks and <laughs> yeah. thanks. And 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 you navigating that is always you tough. decide. I think there's definitely like I as an artist definitely put like a in my 
imaginary brain, like a 10% pro bono sort of thing, like mm-hmm. 10% of the work that I do. Out of the year or something. Yeah, yeah I'll same. throw out there, you know, and it, you take it on a case-by-case basis. But if you're a fucking organization that's, you know, sponsored by Bud Light, then no, throw me that money, please. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, so make those differentiations for yourself because uh, we're going to go into making a couple of differentiations in our next segment because... Um, not all Latinos are created equal. That's right. Or the same. Wait, I'm going to rephrase oh, yeah, that. Primos. Not all Latinos are the same. Let's go into how much for a gram. Okay. So there's a controversy, Chibs. <laughs> there is a controversy... And the Latinos are mad. The only Latino that's mad right now is me because the controversy is why is my uh, shot glass glass empty? empty? That's right. Um, So this conversation is brought to you by Lalo. Is brought to you by by Disney. (laughs) (laughs) The people who tried to trademark Dia de los Muertos. That's right. So Disney is releasing this new cartoon um, called Oye Primos. Did you see see the song? I I, I saw the trailer. I didn't see the song. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, And Oye Primos is a new animated series that's coming to you via Disney. Um, It is created by a uh, Mm Mexican-American creator, writer, producer, all of that out of Southern California, I believe it was. I forgot the name of uh, I forgot her name. But it's I think it's Natasha Klein. Yes, that is correct. It is semi self-biographical in which she uses her experiences as a Mexican-American in Southern California, wherein, you know, during the summer months, all her primos came to live with her and like recounting that and what that experience is like, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, those of us that are Mexican-American in the South can, can tell can relate. Um, but it the trailer release and it got so. So much flack, like to the point of death threats yeah. from uh, the Latin American community. To the point that Disney took down the trailer from their Facebook and Twitter. And turned off comments and, on But YouTube. it's still on YouTube, yes. It's still on YouTube, but you can't comment anymore. And, uh, you know. Let's as, hash this shit out. As we're going into this, I'm reminded of Jose Olivares' poem, Mexican-American Disambiguation, Mm -hmm. and wherein he, very poetically, uh, differentiates between Mexicans, Mexicanos, Mexican-Americans, and what those three terms mean, depending on who is the one that is speaking of them, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the issue here is that this is a show about Mexican-Americans for Mm Mexican-Americans, And Latin Americans don't uh, relate to and identify with the stories that are being told because it's not their experiences. And I think wherein people are getting very upset is that from their perspective, it is pushing stereotypes onto uh, all of America as to what Latinos are because it was branded as a Latinx show. Wherein if it had just been branded as a Mexican-American show, it might have gotten less pushback because we are talking about the Mexican-American experience, which is so different from the Mex- the Mexicano experience, so different from the Peruvian experience, Brazilian experience, Argentinian ex- the rest of Latin America. And I think the real problem here is that all of America thinks Latino means Mexican. Unless you're doing In the Heights. Sure. It, it's this weird thing, and I'll speak to Latinos on this. 
especially Latinos from Latin America, if you happen to listen to the pod, there's this weird thing that happens in the United States where if it's on the East Coast, it's Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. If it's on the West Coast, it's Mexican. And those are the two coasts that sort of dominate media. Mm -hmm. And it becomes this weird, interesting thing where like a show or a movie like Encanto, Mm -hmm. which is censored in Latin America. Colombia, right? Yeah. It's like now they're, they're, they're genuinely out there, you know, exposing different cultures, different histories to gringo Americans. And I think I, I look, I saw the trailer. I heard the song. I thought the song was catchy. I thought th- I thought it works for what it is. I think <sighs> I also think that, you know, like looking at what it seems that this show is talking about, it's not pushing stereotypes. It's based off of reality and what, you know, a lot of Mexican-Americans and um, children of Mexican immigrants uh, living in the diaspora do experience like these are our experiences. It mm-hmm. was all the primos coming over every weekend. I mean, for me, it was every weekend, right? Where it was just like primos upon primos and tias and tios and like the whole goddamn family is coming mm-hmm. over and like everyone's making fun of each other and blah, 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 blah. Right. Um, that that is just the reality that we had. And the problem is when it brands itself as <clears throat> a show for the Latinx community that has such a narrow um, definition in the United States, very similarly to like how the term people of color mm-hmm. is such a United States term. Yeah. It doesn't, isn't really used or isn't applied in other places. Mm-hmm. Like people in London don't measure people of color. Right. You know, like it isn't a, it's some, a demographic that they look at right. sort of deal. Um, and unfortunately the United States has this position where it considers itself the world opinion. And uh, the Disney of it all, which listen, I'm going to say this to Latinos directly. I don't care if you're Mexican American. I don't care if you're from Latin America. Listen, Fuck Disney. Stop <laughs> trying to be on Disney's payroll. Stop trying to be Disney's friend. That mouse don't love you. That's it. That's it. Because I'm tired of that shit. It's the same thing that happened when Coco came out, mm-hmm. where there was a lot of pushback and there was a lot of think piece articles and a lot of energy spent on like, well, when you think about it, Coco is actually really racist because, again, even in the afterlife, where it's about crossing borders and not having your clarification to get through and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that they're wrong. Those those <laughs> individuals who are spotting this and these these critics are correct. But at the same time, you don't turn to Disney for the answer to like a community's like experience a community's uh exposure mm. like we're in charge of that and we have to do better at that like i think that's why in this podcast but also like in our own personal lives and in our own personal igs a lot of times we do uplift like poets from other like uh nationalities and mm-hmm. ethnicities and 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 communities like because we understand that like that is how you get a story told mm-hmm. and told honestly or maybe told in a way that's you know, like Josh Wen, yeah. for instance, has amazing books. Uh, what was that one book? Not Come Clean, but it was the one before that. Uh, it was like, not Tonka's, uh, but he wrote that whole book. Buckle out. Uh, uh, what, what is the form called? Yeah. I have it in my Came bathroom. up with the whole form of it, and it was a brilliant <laughs> book, and I'm like reading it, and I'm digesting it, and is it about my experience? Like, no. But at the same time, it, there's so much there in it that's yeah. rich and cultural, and but I I'm, think that's how you put forward media and entertainment mm. and art that speaks about a people without the 
cosign from these giant corporations. But I'm going to push back on this a little bit because like this is someone of La Gente that has, you know, mm-hmm. like fought to tell her story, right? Mm-hmm. This is based on her story, her experiences, and has worked to get it on a platform like Disney to broadcast it to Mexican Americans all over the country, right? Slash world. I think that's where the problem went was that it tried to brand itself as a Latinx experience. But she didn't because, try to brand it like no, that. No, that's exactly. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's yeah. The, the Disney of right. it all. Wherein because uh, Disney is going to just try to find the easiest the the, the path the of least resistance. No, they're trying to get to the largest audience. Yeah, exactly. Right, right, right. So if they just slap Latino on it, they don't care. They just see that like Bad Bunny's popping and Carol G is popping and Becky G is popping. Like that's all they care about. Well, so it, it's the issue that this country has of, of considering everything a monolith of mm-hmm. some sort, right? And like mm-hmm. not all Latinx people have the same experiences, yeah. and some are Cuban Americans aren't going to like look at this and be like i understand it or anyone that has ever cooked rice understands that all latinx experiences are different bring mexican rice to a puerto rican's house they're gonna be mad yes bring arroz condules to my mom's house she's gonna be mad (laughs) bring puerto rican rice to a mexican household and it's just gonna sit there for a while like the whole time (laughs) sorry it's 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 a thing right and very similarly too in the black experience of like there's Mm -hmm. a difference between an african experience Mm -hmm. and a jamaican a, a jamaican experience experience mm-hmm. and african-american Haitian, experience yeah. like in and it tries to blanket itself as this monolith of like reach the black community and mm-hmm. black is the umbrella for anyone with dark skin tone and latinx is the umbrella for anyone with uh, an ye in their name right or anything like that and again when you start to really break it down this goes back to the uh eva mm-hmm. of it all wherein that's where it lacked the perspective of a native Mexican being at the table, mm-hmm. right, to to help produce and edit this uh, because of cultural sensitivities, right? Yeah. Um, this just lacked someone in the marketing department realizing, like, not all Latinx people are going to just co-sign something. Just because it has brown people mm-hmm. on it, you know, like, yeah. and... Uh, We'll see. Like, again, it looks like a very authentic story. It looks like some someone of La Gente, like, is is reaching great heights and doing good things with their art and their Get stories. Get your check, Mom. And, and getting it out there. It just, um, it always gets fucked up when uh, you... Put the mouse in it. Put the mouse in it. Yeah. You know, um, let's, get, let's get out of this mousy situation. And let's get in the DMs. It's going down in the DMs or Ayo get at us. This is shit y'all wanted us to talk about. Because y'all had a lot to talk about. And I'm very happy about this. All right, let me let me kind of quarterback this a little bit because we let's got a go. lot. So let's fast punch. Let's, let's lightning round. This first one is from Priscilla. Is it Priscilla Dominguez? Yep. Hey, shout out to Priscilla Dominguez. Summer movies. You what? What is she? What is she talking about? Because you were the one who put that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was it, it was very cryptic. It wasn't a full sentence, so I had to uh, figure it out. But essentially, there's Asteroid City. Yeah, that, Wes Anderson that just came out. Yeah. Is coming out. Uh, Poor Things. Yeah. Um, The Flash. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy. 
summer movies. Is it like what we're recommending? Uh, what are you What are you most excited for? What are you mm. recommending? I'm throwing this on you because you're more the movie buff uh, between the two of us. Sure. Um, I don't actually. I saw my summer <clears throat> movie already, and that movie was Across the Spider Verse. You oh, haven't seen it yet. Have I you? haven't seen any of the oh animated God. ones. I need to go see them. You Miles need to Morales. see all of them. <clears throat> um, also, my summer movie so far has been Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, that, that was up there. Goddamn. I'm not gonna lie. I'm very excited for Oppenheimer and Barbie. Are you? Yeah. I mean, Barbie, yes. Like we we had yeah. a whole uh, discussion on the pod about it. Yeah. Uh, Oppenheimer. I do like Chris Nolan as a director. <sighs> I think you see the reason why Nolan I'm actually, also did Inception, right? He did Inception. Okay. He did Memento. Yes. Yeah. He, he's yes. always like, if it's weird, let me go there. Yes. He did Interstellar. It's isn't it three and a half hours long or something? Yeah, like that? but I mean, it is the you know the nuclear. Look, bomb. I have a friend. You know, you know Mark. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend who is I'm mad at you, Mark. <laughs> keep going. Who straight <laughs> up is like the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe is trash. However. Moonlight was the greatest movie ever created. Yeah. You know, M Melancholia is yeah. a cinematic masterpiece. The Tree of Life. Or, yes. Yeah, is absolutely matter. looking forward to Oppenheimer. Um, like has a raging hard on for this. Yeah, I think I think there's there's some interesting things to be there. Plus, <laughs> in a sense, I don't know if you remember this. I think it was during COVID. I don't remember, but it was when the Watchmen television show came out. I love that show. Oh, so good. But then you had a lot of people learning about the history of like uh, Black Wall the Street. The Manhattan Project? Well, not just that, but oh. also, yeah, like uh, the, 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 the Tulsa... Uh, Right. Yes, right. yes the, yeah. the massacre. The massacre, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the Tulsa massacre. Uh, I think Oppenheimer, and this is the weird thing about America because we're failing in education, <laughs> but a movie like Oppenheimer, I think if it's a spectacle enough, uh -huh. if it's interesting enough, people are going to learn a lot about what actually went into the nuclear program. Mm -hmm. And I hope that it, it, it takes a political stance uh, against nuclear proliferation, I don't, you know. We'll see where it goes. It's got some great actors to it. Uh, Y'all made a comment about it on underrated favorites when talking about 310 to Yuma and the historical fictions mm -hmm. and what those do to educate American audiences if they take the time to go and do the research afterwards and not take the historical fiction at face value. Because yeah. at the end of the day, it's still fiction. Yeah, totally. You know, based based on a true story sort of deal. Speaking uh, of fiction. <clears throat> yeah. J.R. Estrada from J.R. Estrada, who was on the pod last week, if you if you want to go back and listen to that. Always welcome. Uh, the new Secret World Wars intro for Speaking of the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe, yeah. Good segue, right? Yeah, yeah. Nick Fury. Nick Fury. They used artificial intelligence to create the entire intro uh, to the, the they, show. They, you, I, I, I read the article. Did you read the article? I, I read. I skimmed. You skimmed. I read. I deep dived. So artificial intelligence was just one of the many tools that was used in creating the intro. Uh, they, they did have graphic designers and actual artists. And I think the question that JR was bringing up, like, is AI erasing artists as a profession? Question mark. Like graphic artists as a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, I How many intros, especially to TV series, were you like, yes, I'll fuck with that. I, I, I can name two off the top of my head. Okay, which are your two? Game of Thrones. Yes. And the Daredevil series that was on Netflix, because that shit was sick. Haven't seen that one. Uh, Six Feet Under. I never saw that one. You never saw Six no. Feet Under? Why are we friends? I know. No, I've always meant to. It's always been on the list. Always been on the list. I 
fucking love Six Feet Under. And it I watched that show so much to where you know how HBO used to have mm-hmm. that static like Yeah, oh yeah, I know. Intro I know. right before the wire. Right before it goes into it. Always Sopranos. anytime I see that static, immediately it, takes, you straight to six feet under. it takes me to like doom doom. The, the six feet under intro, right? Yeah. And, and anytime a different song comes on after that, I'm so confused as to what's happening. I'm like, <laughs> I thought we were watching six feet under. Because, yeah. uh, like, I mean, Walking Dead, their intro is ass. Ass. Uh, I would, I love The Wire. I love the Tom Waits song. I like the song, but the intro ain't doing shit. Uh, uh, you know which one? Uh, True Blood. Okay, yeah. True Blood with that song. Yeah. I, I mean, there's do some bad things. Yeah, there's some that have the good song. Yeah. But like what is a good I mean Game of Thrones just yes, like top shelf. True Blood. Where you see the whole map and then yeah. and then as the seasons were progressing the and map And True Blood changed. is also an Alan Ball show, so yeah. there we go again with the 6 feet under. The, yeah. uh, yes. You yeah. know like I think it's shows that take the time to actually curate like an mm-hmm. intro that sets it up uh is I think I think is a lost art because like sure. we don't see that anymore now. Cheers the... had a good intro. Short, yeah, yeah. Mash Friend. was ass. Friend. Friends, you know what? We'll give it to Friends. That intro, song, it, whether or not you like Friends, the intro was a banger. I think it's a lost art. You don't see it Parks anymore. Parks and Rex was ass. Most most shows don't. Sex in the City was ass. You know, Breaking Bad didn't didn't no. have an intro. It was just the one mm-hmm. sort of thing. And I like. I think it's a lost art. And I and I miss it. I really do miss having those moments that set up the show. Mm. To your point, the Game of Thrones of it all, especially because Game of Thrones would change their intro depending on what was going to be featured in that oh, yeah. um, in that segment. You know, and for as brief as it was, Ozark also oh, Ozark, yeah. had a really interesting concept for their intro. It was all of ten seconds long, if even. But it was like you're looking at these pictures, and the whole time you're like, they tell the do, story. What do yeah. they mean? What's about to happen? Oh my god! This is so interesting. Like yeah. it lures you in. Yeah. It sets the tone. And, then, and but then you nobody show, does that anymore. No, and then and then <laughs> even shows like Black Mirror that have like a minimalist, like almost no intro. It just goes black. The letters come up. Black Mirror. This is the episode title. Go. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, it's it, fine. Yeah. So I, I want more. Um, the idea of like using AI to generate this, I think because of what the show is about. Yeah, it, it works. It leans into it. Yeah. This idea of like shape shifting, morphine, what's real, what isn't. Um, I'm not mad at it. I'm, I'm really not mad at it. Um, and then this is also kind of artificial intelligence, a.k.a. people cheating the system. Uh, this came from Lena C. right before we started potting. Rappers who rap over their own tracks. Rappers who rap? Oh, like in live? Life. Like during live shows? Yeah. The Nicki Minaj of it all? The, yeah. The basically, I don't know, every she, rapper. She, she, uh, hey, if you're a San Antonio rapper, Lena C. was taking shots. She says all <laughs> y'all are guilty of it. That's Lena C <laughs> on Instagram. Get at her. Uh, they're they're str- people catching strays right now. Yeah. Um, I'm mad at it. Okay, talk about well, it. Well, but see, I'm not a big go, into rap. Go, so. No, no, but not even just rap. But going back to lip syncing in general, and going back to the performance of it all, going back to the art of it all, going back to the whole like. Wait, but I think there's a difference between lip syncing and yeah. rapping over your own track. Is it really? Yeah, because one, you're literally not doing anything but moving your mouth. Mm-hmm. The other, you are. Well, no, but but you're dancing. <clears throat> Usually, you lip sync because you're doing other things. Sure. Rappers are literally just kind of hanging out and walking around the stage and rapping over their own shit. Uh huh. And so, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I think performance in terms of, I mean, you have the elites. You got your Gagas. You got your Beyonces. You Gaga got, who never lip syncs. Right. 
And then and and others. I mean, people. I mean, Dua Lipa can't dance, but damn it, if she don't put on a good show. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I can't yeah. uh, uh, confirm or deny this. But I feel like I feel like we've got, we've come away to this place with performance, especially on a local level, where it's like, man, step step your pussy up, step your pussy up. All right, we're tired of it. All right, <laughs> San Antonio rappers. This is how you know that Rooster's been spending a lot of time in this house because yeah. now he's saying shit like step your pussy step up, step your pussy <laughs> up. We're tired of it. Okay, like you can like. If you have the, the backing track, then you better be doing Chris Brown level dances, Michael sure. Jackson level dances. Sure. Like, don't just be walking around like you're just at the at the corner store looking for fucking hot Cheetos. And I think on the production level of it all, you know, like there's so much you can do in the studio that is impossible to do live. Yeah. You know, wherein like uh, let's uh, let's take the Florence and the machine of it all, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, Florence basically sings all of her backup, all of her harmonies, all like everything. She's every voice on that track. In impossible to do live right and so to have different uh tracks to support that great you know understandable and i guess surely with the dancing of it all like it's it's a lot of breath as i i understand oh yeah no yeah, you did you, yeah and, and but i Edwin, sang all my own songs there did. were no backing tracks you got an uh, uh, uh exercise bike and you got your lungs that's up. right cardio you stepped it up step your pussy up do some cardio bitches that's right speaking of stepping it up or just acting when it comes to a production uh-huh. a production being uh ethical uh this comes from cuppy cake should films get made if there's strong allegations made against their actors oh. aka the ezra miller of it all aka flash movie bomb <sighs> i haven't seen it yet wanted to go were you gonna it. go see it i do want to go see it i spoiled everything from I, that movie for don't. myself no no i'm not going to but i did it on purpose because when it started to bomb and i was catching just the light non-spoiler twitter of it all i was just laughing at how bad they were roasting it i was like i got to know what the fuck they're roasting so i looked into all of it and goddamn, it's trash i'm not saying it's trash because i do know a lot of dc heads they steered so hard to a level of nostalgia uh-huh. that is going to, that's mind blowing. Like, I mean, and that's kind of why I want to go see it. Fair. Go ahead. You know? And I mean, and I, and even if you like, listen, I miss the days of my youth where I used to just go to the movies and they would just watch even bad shit. Yeah. Who cares? It was like fun. I don't know why everything has to stand for something, but going to the Ezra Miller of it all and, and Cubby Cake's larger question, when it comes to movie studios, for those who don't know, Ezra Miller, the star of The Flash, uh, has has been in a kind of tumultuous legal problems across nations. Uh, they have had issues with like physical violence towards people, um, have sought mental health since then. But also when the movie was coming out, DC and Warner Brothers specifically decided to not really put Ezra Miller out front of mm-hmm. the project. And started putting other actors who are in the movie in front of the project to sort of handle the marketing. Michael Keaton. <laughs> and, uh, and the Latina who's in, who played Supergirl, who is amazing. I, not as super, I, don't, I haven't seen it, so I don't know about Supergirl. <laughs> but listen, I saw, I found her on Instagram. I've been seeing her interviews. I kind of fucking love her. Who, like, who, who is she? Oh, pause. pause. Look, her, look her up. Sasha Calle? Oh, yeah. Is, is that her name? Oh, yeah. Sasha, she will beat your ass. And and this is where my father's years of getting after me is going to uh, come in handy. It's Sasha Kaje. Oh, okay. Kaje? 
She's 26. Uh, 27. Born in 95. God, I'm old. Yeah, she we are. is an American actress. She starred in the soap opera The Young and the Restless from 2018 to 2021. She received a nomination for Daytime Emmy Awards. She made her film debut as Supergirl in the superhero film The Flash. Okay, so this is her first movie. Mm. Cheers, but her to I, you. cheers to Sasha Gaia. And uh, yeah, it, it, there's a time and place in America where I would have definitely tried to date her. Like she, yeah, she would beat me up. It'd have been totally toxic, and I'd be here for it. Okay, yeah, love her. Uh, so back to Cuppy Cake's question. Uh, uh yeah. So, on the do we do we cosign uh, uh, t- toxic, um, allegedly toxic? Because I don't know if anything's nope, been proven they, in the court of law. Been proven. Okay. Um, but since sin has since attempted to rectify atone to atone and rectify. Okay. I mean, there's something to be said for redemption, right? And I, like, we yeah. all, we all make mistakes and we're all, I mean, we're all look, Titanic became the number 12 song in the Billboard 100. Listen. We as a human race are trash yeah. uh, to begin with. I, there's a lot of reasons. I'll separate the reasons why this film failed from the Ezra Miller part of it. Okay, yeah. I do think there is some interconnectivity, but not much, as much as people may think. Um, I will say, listen, it's hard to hold a movie studio accountable when they make an investment in an actor mm-hmm. in 2023. The same way, like... Because this isn't the first time Ezra appears as The Flash. No. Okay. I originally that, appeared in the Justice League movies. Okay. That was that was what I thought. Because also, like, maybe would not have been my first casting choice. I don't mm-hmm. know. And was kind of was kind of a standout in the film. Not, okay. You know, because it was the comic relief. Okay. When everyone was dark and broody, and Ezra I'm, came through. Okay. Um, But I think there's something... And this is where things get difficult because I, there have been... Articles written, people close to Ezra Miller who have come out in media and said that a lot of what has transpired in their life is really a direct result of the insanity that is the film industry. Sure. Meaning like, yeah, you have- Hollywood is toxic as fuck. Hollywood is toxic. Fans are toxic. You know, people come up to you. They don't know when to leave you alone. They fuck with you. And like, uh, you know- The Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen of it all. Talk about- The Robert Downey Jr. of it all. Like, listen, if you are under the age of 33 and did not know Robert Downey Jr.'s past, go look that (laughs) shit up. That motherfucker will wake up in your kid's bed asleep in the middle of the night. And then go watch all of the Iron Man and Avengers movies again Mm -hmm. and let that shit hit even harder. Yeah. Go watch Lesson Zero. Yeah. Then you'll see- some shit but uh, but yeah so like i do believe atonement <clears throat> is fine i think atonement is necessary especially for public figures uh, i know jonathan majors is going through his thing uh legally weird. with the marvel universe and they're still trying to to determine a uh, course of action it's hard because i think people also don't understand even just popping up in the ant-man movies and in the loki series like you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions and dollars of an investment into someone to then just say like to draw a hard line is hard. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, I know people who don't draw a hard line in their own personal life. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. <laughs> but when then to say, look, we've, we as an organization, as a company who have shareholders, who have all types of other people to answer to who this actually provides jobs for, like, cause there are a the, the, thousands of and people. I think, yeah. That's the part that like, I will chime in on is that to cancel a project as big as this because of one specific person affects 
hundreds and hundreds of people that rely on projects like this to feed their family. You're talking about gaffers. You're talking about boom uh, mm -hmm. mic operators. All you're talking it. about writers. custodians, writers, like the food companies, yeah, caterers. Exactly. Like the reach of this is so huge, which also adds to why a lot of, you know, like major actors have a breaking point mm. because of all this pressure that rides on, like they are the face of it all. Right. Yeah. And on their shoulders rides the sustainability of so many people's livelihoods. Yeah. Look at someone know? like, and Ezra Miller, <laughs> be clear, has, is, has been an actor since they were a child. Yes. And yes. so, you know, look at someone like a Shia LaBeouf. Like there's a lot of uh, Mary Kay and Ashley Olsen. There's uh, I mean, um, homeboy from home alone. Macaulay Culkin. Maca Macaulay Culkin, yes. Yeah, like there's there, Hollywood has a history of devouring young actors. Who, Let me see, Emma. Um, mm. Redhead. Oh, yeah. Uh, mean Girls. Mean Girls. Ooh, that's, that's a Lalo talking or erasing. Uh, Parent Trap. Yeah. I uh, know her movies. She's you great. know who we're talking about, listeners. She's great. Uh, same thing. Yeah. You know, complete, complete breakdown. Mm. Re did some really bad stuff. You know, like there's. There's so much pressure that um, people, especially that start in the entertainment industry young, don't know how to deal with, you know, and, and bad shit happen. And we're not, I'm not, you know, excusing. Drew Barrymore. Sure. There you go. I'm shit. not excusing. Drew Barrymore was said on bad. cocaine at age nine, bro. <laughs> I am not excusing said bad shit, but also to. Lindsay Lohan. There you go. I was like, I'm, I'm a bad gay. I should know that. <laughs> <laughs> Step your pussy up. Damn it. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like, so, so it, it is this complicated thing with fame, celebrity, money, and I'm not, no one here on this pod is excusing their behavior at all. What we are encouraging is therapy and restorative justice. Restorative justice. Yeah. Exactly. And if, if you're taking the steps in that direction, in not a performative mm -hmm. way, in an, in an actual way, then okay, all and, right. And you can have a Robert Downey Jr. moment. Mm -hmm. You could have that, a comeback story. 100% Robert Downey Jr. moment. Yeah. Of like complete mm -hmm. to then. Ta -da! That's it. I know I have sound effects that could have done that better than I did, but uh, it's actually, more fun I think I did, I, did, I did a yeah. good job. Kudos I'm, to you. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. And and not for nothing, and I'll, I think I'll end it on this point, let the audiences decide it. Like, just like any business, if they put it out and it bombs, it fucking bombs. And, it, and we spoke. Bombs, We're not, we don't want to see it. Bombs for whatever reason it yeah. is, whether you're boycotting the the actor or you or it's a bad movie. Yeah. It just It is what it is. You yeah. know, like sometimes people got to go their separate ways and... And how you end up going your separate ways is 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 a choice. So uh, speaking on that, uh, breakups. Speaking on it. So this comes from the homie Rocky of uh, Words and Shit fame. That's right. Another podcast produced by Gemini's Productions in association with Write Art Out and Write About Now. Yeah. If you are a poetry fan, go check out Words and Shit. There are uh, 75 episodes of interviews with poets from all around the world. So recently, I don't think she'll get mad at me, me for saying this, <laughs> but recently Raquel broke up with uh, their significant other, her significant other, and uh, has been playing a lot of this new Legend of Zelda. Like most of America, like, apparently. Because yeah, it's apparently fire. And actually, this was something we were going to talk, we were supposed to talk about last week, but uh, since we had so many people hit us this week, <laughs> like, no, nah, it fits better here. Look, we were at Best Buy two days ago con looking for it, and it, we're like, no, it's not in the budget. Not this month. <laughs> <laughs> um, so <clears throat> this idea of... Uh, 
basically Zelda and breakups was what she DM'd like, and this is what I've interpreted as, <laughs> uh, what is some of the best advice you have for getting over someone and or dumbest things you've de- done after a breakup? <laughs> Cause for her, she's just playing a lot of Zelda uh-huh. and now going to Puerto Rico for a trip. So, Hey, shout out to that. Yo, glow up. There Make you sure go. tag all your thir- or post all your thirst traps. Do you? I think I'm a good breakup or or yeah. Like, you talk I've, about that. Yeah, I, it's because I, I I don't know. Like uh, communication is key, and mm-hmm. so like I, I like I'm friends with a lot of my exes, like real close friends. I mean yeah. Raquel, who's questioning it, is one of my exes. Shout yeah. out to Rocky. That's that's valid. Yeah. I'm not in communication with basically any of my exes. Yeah, but but it's because I I, I genuinely feel that thing of like when it, to love have loved someone. Or even really, really care about someone like just because we didn't work for whatever the reasons are or because I learned things about you. Um, that doesn't mean that like we have to not ever, ever be cool there. That doesn't mean that we're going to st- remain the best or closest of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I think I think uh, knock on wood, the majority of my life, I've done a really good job of picking my partners because I've been in situationships with piece of shit people <laughs> who situationships, yes, who will hurt you and so on and so forth. But I've never really dated anyone who will just deliberately hurt you or sure. like be mean. Sure. Um, so like that way, it's always been cool. Um, what about advice uh, or any of the dumbest things you've ever done? Post breakup, <laughs> <But laughs> um, this is not good advice. But it's—I know it's out there to get over someone, get under someone else. That's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't—I don't know if that's great advice. But definitely don't do that if you still have feelings for said someone and want to get back together. That's that—that that would be a bad move. Really? To go sleep with other people if you want to get back with the person you just broke up with? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like bad ideas. Mm, I'm a hoe. <laughs> I, I hold it up. Sorry. Uh. But Zelda distractions are good. Distractions are really good. I think I think post breakup. So I'm very much an introvert, except for like when like post breakup. When you're a hoe. <laughs> yeah. Then I'm out. It's like yeah, Bruce is everywhere. It's like yeah, he came. Oh, he even came to this event. I'm like yeah, I'm out. You know, I'm outside. <laughs> Um, so I think I, my, my, my best advice post breakup is go do the things that you've had on your like to do list, whether it's like at home, whether it's projects you wanted to do, whether it's like groups you wanted to entertain or join, uh-huh. like, oh, I really wanted to do improv, go fucking do improv, <laughs> mom. get the fuck out there. It's always so fun in your friend group, seeing someone like, like pop the bat. Pop the fuck back up, up yeah. being like, oh, where are you? Oh, it's because uh, you broke up. Yeah. So now you're back out. Okay. Good to see you again. I'm happy you're here. Yeah. You know, I was uh, I was that friend for a long time. It was I, bad. I have no advice. I can't I can't help here. I, uh, I suck. Dumbest thing I think I ever did post breakup. I gotta think about that. Ah, uh, dumbest thing I ever did. I have to, uh, well, because dumb is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Oh, I think or here's some shit that I've, I'm definitely guilty of. This is this is true. <laughs> One of the things I'm very guilty of, like I said, most of my breakups end amicably enough to where it's not like like we stop, we don't stop following each other on social media. Uh, you don't delete every picture. No, none of that. So what I what I do, and this is my little dumb bullshit tactic, is I I I, I I'm the 
king of sub subliminals. So like I'm like I'll post fucking a fucking Scorpio. I, yeah. <laughs> I post a song that I know it was like off that one night when we were there and it was great and it was one and or I'll I'll post that like at 3 a.m. or I'll like you know, go to this one specific restaurant that was our little thing, and uh, I'll, you know, take a snapshot of the food and that little shit like that. Uh, that's my way of, and then I, I'll post a thirst trap as best as I can. <laughs> post some thirst traps. I think best advice is like, if it's over, it's over, and don't let it linger. Don't, oh, you yeah. know, like, don't live in that in between of like back and forth. And then, you know, like a couple weeks later, you like call them up and you're like, hey, what are you doing? You want to come over? Blah, blah, blah. Like, no, like, it's over. And like, I guess my question to you is, is then so, like, do you ever feel like you need closure? No, because I think we, we, we arrive at a moment yeah. of closure. Like okay. once the, that depart happens, it's like we both understand like why we're going I've our seen. separate ways. That's something I've seen is a lot of people I know, a lot of mad single people I know, they're still hung up on the need for closure. Sure. And but, I've never been a closure person. Like I'm like, I don't need closure. You don't need. It's overrated. Well, and for me, like I've always felt like I've gotten it because we both understand like why oh, this, this is, is ending. Yeah. This is over and this is why it's over. All right. We're all in agreement. Yeah, let's go. No, you know, yeah, like I've, I've never needed closure. I've, I've, I've just like totally overrated. If I'm still hung up on the other person to where like I need to reach out to them or want closure, I always just knew that's me being a punk ass. <laughs> and I'm going to just look like more of a punk ass because I know they don't give a fuck. You're such a Scorpio. It's true, though. <laughs> like, yeah, like, yeah. If they love you, they'll come back. If not, what's that saying? You know, set them free. Go, blah, they'll blah, come blah, back. Blah, blah, blah. Look and at you, look a married at man now. Look at me, man. <laughs> Life's changed, man. Uh-huh. Speaking uh, of closure, let's get the fuck out of here. We do need closure on this pod. We got to close this out. Oh! Um. First and foremost... Anything upcoming you'd like to share that you're excited for? No. Wow. I'm just happy to be here. And I do want to say thank you, though, to everyone who was in our DMs. Yeah. It made for a very interesting conversation. Y'all took uh, over the show. Very, we appreciate y'all. And that's fine because uh, current events are not where it's at. Yeah, I, I don't need to talk about Russia. Russia. No. <laughs> don't. Don't. Um, there's some There's some good stuff happening in the queer community as we wrap up Pride Month. So happy, happy Pride. Pride. Yeah. Um, I am looking forward to... So my company, uh, I work... Not company, organization. I work for an LGBTQ organization. Organization. June is exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the, our executive director was like, you know what's happening on the first week of July? What? We're closing. Oh, take sure. the week off. That's the bomb. And I'm like, oh, thank Jesus. So, so I am so ready for next week. Fourth um, of July. Because I am tired and uh, I need the week off. Um, my grandma is coming in. Hey. You know, Abuelita flying in from Guadalajara. Um, might go down and spend the week with her. I have not decided. That's cool. Uh, but definitely gonna at the very least, um, she'll be in she'll be in the states for a couple of months. So I'm gonna go uh, at the very least spend some time with her in the next couple of months. Um, just glad you know, just happy. Glad yeah. to be here. It's summer, man. It's it, it is the thick of summer, y'all. We've had a heat advisory for two weeks, 105 degree weather nonstop. Ercot sending the emails saying, please don't yeah. turn on your AC. Yeah, when you're hanging at when you're sleeping at night, turn it up to 82. Fuck you. Dude, I've had my eight. It's so fucking hot. 
I've had my AC like because I do worry like my AC bill is going to be sick. Like I turn it up to 77. It keeps running all day. I turn it up to 79. It keeps running all day. Yeah. I turn it up to 82. It keeps running all fucking day. So I'm like, what's the difference? Like it's, I'll just put it at 75. It's just running all day. Yeah. It's yeah. either that or turn it off. We got fans. Uh, we are naked in this house most of the time. Yeah. There is no need for clothing right now. At Zero. All. Unless, you know, you got people coming over then, you know, maybe put on some pants. Yeah. Um, but that's that's the life we're living here in South Texas. Uh, what's the life you're living in, <laughs> wherever yeah. you're coming from? Uh, let us know. Uh, you can always uh, find drop, us on social media. Drop, drop us a line. Drop into our DMs or send. Where can they find it, you, Chibi? They can find me at Gemini's G E M I N E Y E S. Where can they find you, Rooster? They can find me at on IG at R W O S T M T Z. Or for you old schoolers, if you want to send us an email, you can do it at after two tequila shots at gmail.com. That's after the number. Two tequila shots at gmail.com. Or if you really old school, find us on Facebook. Oh! Chevy Ordunia and Rooster Martinez. That's right. We are there. Send us a friend request. Something like that. Or don't, because there's yeah. already a lot. But until then, enjoy your week and happy Pride, y'all. Go check out Underrated Favorites if you yeah. haven't already. It's a great podcast about movies you might have missed, hosted by Rooster and his wife, Neek. Yep. And um, thank you all for tuning in. Y'all be safe. It's been a good week ish. Drink Lalo. Hey. Oh, damn. We're out. Yeah. Fuck. Peace. This is what happens when I dig into the bottle of tequila a day earlier. All right. Now we really out. Bye.